Let's talk about the deep recession of 2020. Let's also discuss the BBC's apology over the N-word slur. What about the strong black woman making history? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. In the real world, the smartest people are the people who make mistakes and learn. In school, the smartest people don't make mistakes. That's a quote from Robert Kiyosaki, one of the people I like to read up on. Very wise man, wise words. So... We've officially gone into recession in the UK. It looks like it's going to be the deepest recession we've had in ever, I think they're saying, ever. The deepest slump since 1921, at least. Um, I don't think the official figures won't be out until next year, 2021. But we're in for a challenging time. But in challenging times, I mean, recession doesn't sound good on the surface, and it's not going to be good for some. But ultimately... As people, we come together, you know, we make lemons out of lemonade and we get on with it. And that's what we're going to have to do. That's what we've always had to do. So we've got to keep doing it, you know, although these are unprecedented times. So uh, this week they've spoken about we're having now, if you are caught, a repeat offender, not wearing your mask, where they're saying you need to be wearing your mask and you're a repeat offender, your fine can go up to now, up to £3,200. So they're very serious about this mask business. So, you know, I know some people are against it. I mean, it's, I feel it's really uncomfortable wearing them, but I get it. You know, it's not a natural thing to be doing to be covering your mouth. You know, we need oxygen, you know. But we're in strange times. We're in strange times. So, so yeah, and I hope, I hope nobody doesn't you know, get themselves in a situation where they owe the government £3,200. That's a lot of money for not wearing a bandana. So, yeah, but we all got to do our part, man. This is this is our strange times. Okay, so um, they've also just readjusted the, the, the COVID numbers by 5,000 plus, you know, so they've reduced them. Um, so not so many people died of COVID, but still a hell of a lot of people i think the last time i looked there was talking about forty thousand people it's still a hell of a lot of families a lot of pain a lot of grief um but five thousand plus does make a difference that's you know these people obviously still died but they died of something else and russia's talking about they've got a vaccine for 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 this covid uh they called it sputnik i think sputnik something um but the, the, the reports are saying, basically, you, you need to go through various phases before you can say that you've got a, a vaccine that anybody's going to use. Even though Russia's saying they're already using it on people. I think uh, Putin said he tried it on his daughter. His daughter's been using it and she's fine, etc. But apparently there's three phases. So phases one and two, you only have it um, used on a few people. Phases three, three, you use it on thousands of people. And... That's how you test the effectiveness, the safety, side effects, etc. But apparently they've only done it to phase one and two in Russia. So we see how that goes. Maybe it's just propaganda. Who knows? I think we still we still got a time to go, it seems, before we have anything that we can say, you know, billions of people around the world 
are going to be using, etc. So we'll, we'll kind of watch that and see how things go. But from what I've heard, the earliest, the very earliest we should have anything like that will be like April 2021 at the earliest. So we'll see. They've there's got this um, the Oxford vaccine. I hear the UK talking about where it's based on chimpanzees virus. Um, I think it's chimpanzee cold virus, I believe. Um, and it's basically been jet genetically engineered um, so that it doesn't affect humans in any kind of negative way, apparently. Um, I don't know about that kind of promotion, you know, talking about viruses from chimpanzees and cures. I, I don't know. I don't know how that branding sounds to people. But um, by the end of the day, we have to find some way of battling this coronavirus um, yeah, so we can get back to some kind of normality, whether that's going to be new normal or what, but we need to sort something out. But I've noticed, um, you know, you know, you see police around, you see police on TV, etc. And they don't really use masks. I ain't really seen police using masks, but I haven't heard anything about police um, getting the virus either. So I'm sure some of them must have, but I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard a lot more about it or because they, like I said, they haven't really used masks too, too much. So that was quite interesting. I really feel it for the kids, as I, as I always mention, the young people, um, especially those kids who are getting their grades at the moment. You've got the, in Scotland, they had to kind of go back on what they had their uh, estimated grades um, come at because they were downgrading most of the kids. So they kind of had to reverse that and upgrade the kids on their, on their grades which I thought was really important. And the UK's had to do the same thing, pretty much. I think there's still some problems around. I don't, I don't think you're going to ever have people happy around that, the young people around that. They've got so much gain on, you know, being out of school, not being able to just be children, you know, in the, in the sense of the word that everybody else prior to this time has been able to do. So they're never going to be happy. I don't, I don't think it's, 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 it's going to work. Um, at the end of the day, there's always going to be people that are, even in the best of times, they're not going to be happy with their grades and, and, and be totally against it. But now, who is going to be happy with a below standard grade? Like, I wouldn't be. You know, there's been too many variables, too many things out of my control. It's not been a normal time. So yeah, the only people who are not going to complain are the ones that get the grades that get them to where they want to be. You know, but truthfully, the, the bigger picture is, it is about, if you want to go to university, it is about getting the right grades for you to do that. But where there's a will, there's a way. And if you're going to succeed in life, you're going to succeed regardless of what happens, you know. But if I was a young person, I, I, I feel their pain because it is, it is a lot for them to deal with at this point. Definitely a lot for them to deal with. And, you know, that's on the school front. Then then you look at what's going on in the city. I mean, this, this week we've had a 26-year-old man shot in Brent, shot to death. Um, in Oxford Street, you've had a 17-year-old boy stabbed to death. So, you know, everything that's going on for the... I think the, the kids, are, there's no doubt about it, the kids are definitely more affected by this whole COVID thing. You know, I mean, they've been affected by the youth violence, etc. prior to this. But with this added, with the COVID situation, everything that goes on around that, it's, it's just a lot for these kids. And I think as parents... You know, grandparents, uncles, aunts, we all need to kind of empathise with these young people and see what we can do to help them, to support them, you know, whether that's be speaking to them, being that friendly ear for them, you know, just doing whatever we can for them. We can't just leave the young people just, you know, just to work their way through this, 
you know. They're just about working their way through becoming young adults, you know, let alone working their way through a pandemic and all of that brings and, and the whole recession situation and stuff. They, they're going to feel it the most. So I really think, you know, the adults, you know, if you know any young people that are, you know, connected to you, whether that's through work or, you know, just young people that are connected to you biologically, you know, I think we need to be going the extra mile and doing what we can with these young people some way, shape or form. So there's been a recent ruling against the facial recognition equipment um, that they introduced, I believe it was last year. Um, basically, it was, it was causing uh, false positives um, and it was notorious for causing false positives around black and ethnic minorities and women. Um, so, I mean, for, for me personally, the, the whole thing was a very invasive off the bat. Um, you know, you're recording people on the street again about their business, nothing to do with crime, and then you're trying to match them up against people that you're looking for. So I always had issues with it anyway. You know, I think the foundation was all wrong for that. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing that they've, they've ruled against using that. So we won't have to contend with that hopefully ever again. Um, so in, in regards to uh, the events and stuff, and as again, it kind of goes back to the young people. You know, they're out there, you know, it's their God-given right to, you know, be kids and explore and, you know, group up together. And, you know, some of these kids would have been trying to, you know, thinking about this stuff since they were 13, 14, 15, thinking, you know, when I leave school, I'm going to celebrate, I'm going to have my first drink, I'm going to go to the West End, I'm going to club, all of that stuff. And now they're in a world where they're not going to be able to do any of that at this point, you know, so... The live events, the parties and stuff, um, all the restrictions around that are really affects them a lot more than anybody else, you know. Um, for, for the kids, for younger people, it's something that they, they kind of feel like they need it, you know. I think older people, they want to go out, they want to let their hair down, but for the kids, it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. It means a lot more to them. Um, and now the government's put in extra, extra restriction, extra fines around... Um, people putting on events and raves where you know if you're holding an event with there's 30 plus people over 30 people there and um, they can give you the, the event owners um, 10 grand fines on the spot fines so they're really serious about this so they really do not want people doing this um, you know obviously it's, it's you know it's about safety in regards to the covid stuff but they need to find some way of of supporting the, the young people around this stuff because this is something they want to do and it's going against every fiber in their body you know they want to go out they want to party they want to meet people they want to you know they want to do what we did as kids you know so i don't know man it's it's, it's difficult it's difficult you know on one hand you've got the health side of it the physical health side of it and then the other side of it you've got the, the mental health side of it um and I, I don't know where the happy medium is going to be but we we do need to think of it from the young people's perspective for sure um, I'm glad to hear that the BBC have finally apologised over the multiple use of the N-word slur um, related to the young boy who was run over in Bristol by racist thugs um, a couple of weeks back. Um, off the back of it, you know, Sideman, one of the DJs there, he, he gave up his job. You know, he, he couldn't stomach it anymore. You know, salute to him. Um you know, but he, he shouldn't even have been put in a position where he had to kind of become a martyr and, and, and leave his job to prove the point. But it had the desired effect. Plus, 
people galvanised together and, and petitioned against it. You know, I think they got over eighteen and a half thousand votes um, or, or complaints in to to say we, you know, we're against this. We don't want it, um, and you need to do something about it. And you know, as a result, they have they have apologised. You know, um, the BBC's director general Tony Horn um, apologised and said they made a mistake. Um, and yeah, and rightfully so. Um, a pity you had to come to that. But I think the good thing out of that it, to come is that we can now see clearly, you know, when you come together as one against something, you know, and, and you do it in, in the right way, you know, the effective way. Because I'm sure there's many other ways we, we like to do things, but it's about, at the end of the day, it's about getting results. And the result is we wanted them to apologise. We don't want them to ever do it again. And because we've all come together in, in such numbers, um, they've now uh, apologised. And I can't see them doing that again uh, anytime in a hurry. And I, I've said it before, um, you know, hats off to Jewish community as well, because when they, when they somebody has gone against them, I mean, you had the whole Wiley incident a couple of weeks back, um, whether you agree with Wiley or not, um, the Jewish people came together, they said, we're not having it, we don't want twitter to to allow him to be on, on on twitter and they boycotted it and in the end you know they they got the result they wanted so i'm glad to see that people came together um over this these racial slurs you know um because it was offensive and it didn't need to be played not even once you know it would not even once you know they played it about twice i think in it but it shouldn't have played, been played at all n-word is more than good enough we, we we definitely know what that means i don't think there's anybody out here who's not too sure about that so yeah um i'm glad we came together and dealt with that um other issues uh, that have come up is um the brent mp dawn butler who's you know going about her business with her friend in hackney um in a car you know black bmw tinted windows you know not illegal not the front or the back windows the side windows which is totally legit and it was pulled over um so there's talks of you know racial profiling etc and obviously the police said this it's not racial profiling how would they know that she's black in the car you know and look i'm from hackney i know you're, you're not okay if the, win, the windows are tinted you might not know um who's in the car but we know you know what the demographic in Hackney like to drive you, you I mean you, you know you know the demographic of Hackney as gentrified as it is but you know what people like to drive and you know how they like to have their windows that doesn't mean that all black people and only black people are driving with tinted glass and BMWs but you know there's a high chance so I'm not saying that the police were targeting um, and you know that was specifically a black person but from watching the the, the, the interview when the well, not the interview um, the person who was driving the car was filming as it was happening and they were asked the questions they asked you know what what you know do you live around here you know where where are you going where are you coming from and you know obviously because she understands the law and she knows how to conduct herself she quite clearly said you know um, that's none of your business actually um, I'm, I'm going about my business you know and the truth is if that was a younger person the younger person might not be known how to do with it in a, in a diplomatic way and, and got offended, you know, and maybe raised his or her voice and it could have snowballed into a whole different thing. But hats off to her, you know, being a politician, she, she knows how to carry herself and she dealt with them accordingly. So that's going to be interesting to see how that, that all pans out. Um, 
I was listening to an interview this week as well um, with Kwame, who's the artistic director of the Young Vic. Um, and I won't talk about the whole the whole conversation, but one of the things that he said, um, he kind of summarised um, that what we're having to do with is basically white privilege versus black existence. So when he said that, I had to pause and, and really absorb what he was really saying. White privilege versus black existence. Now, my thing is, we just really need to focus on the black existence and, and the black empowerment and, and the betterment of ourselves and kind of, you know, kind of just get on with it and, and just focus on that because you can't, whether you believe there's white privilege or you believe there's not, either way, it's not anything you can influence or do anything about. What you need, what we need to do, what I feel we need to do, you know, at the end of the day, you could do what you want, but what I feel we need to do is focus on us. You know, that's that's where we can influence change. Focus on our young people. That's where we can influence change. And focus on anybody who's about positivity and growth and who's anti-racist actively. You know, that's what we need to focus on and those are who we need to focus on. Um, but yeah, it, it really, really did get me thinking. It was a really good interview too. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, that's, those are the only things that we can, we can affect in any meaningful way. Ourself, our young people, and that's what we need to crack on with. Um, the situation with Stephen Lawrence, um, case, um, from 1993, you know, the police have announced that it's now inactive. Um, I really feel it for the parents because obviously they, they know the parents, the brother, you know, everybody connected to the family. I, I really feel it for them because they know that there were six people involved. They know that they had at least five of them in court and they know that only two of them um, were convicted. So they know that there's at least four of the killers still out there, still roaming and, and been around since 1993 doing what they're doing and nobody's not spoken up to, to um, you know, bring them to justice. So I really feel it for them. Um, and hopefully, you know, somebody's conscience will prick them. Um, over the murder of um, young Stephen in, in 1993. Who knows what that man could have been there, you know? It's, it's, yeah, just because of the colour of his skin. That's that's the kicker, colour of his skin. And in America, uh, Camilla Harris, Kamala Harris, um, the first black female vice president of the Democratic Party. I'm not too into the politics either way. I don't really mind. It's just the fact that She's doing something. This strong black woman is out there, you know, setting new a new standard, you know, a new paradigm, a new a new new things that we can do in the world. You know, hopefully she'll go all the way. She can use it to her advantage, and she can do good in the world off the back of it. But just the fact that she's rose to those that level at this stage, um, I'm really happy for her. Um, she's a woman who her father's black Jamaican and her mother's um, Indian. Um, and she's reported to identify as American, which is fine. I'm, I'm an advocate for people identifying for, you know, in whatever way they want. Um, but I'm, I'm just really aware. I'm just really aware that regardless of what she identifies as, the world sees her as a black woman, you know. She, that, that is all she will ever be. She, she will always be a black woman. Not all she'll ever be, but she will always be a black woman. And actually, if she chose to, if she wanted to, you know, identify fully with her mother and say, look, I'm an Indian woman. The sad part about it is she could never do that. She could never, that would never fly, you know. Um, the world wouldn't let her, you know, be recognised as 
an Indian woman and that's her God-given birthright. So, you know, again, it just kind of, within that positiveness of her becoming and doing what she's about to do in the world, um, still also highlights how far we still have to go with this this whole bias, you know, um, against people and, and, and bigotry, really, you know, on a, on a deeper level. Um, but yeah, hats off to her, man. Strong black woman. She's 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 made it through the ranks and she's doing what she's doing. And that's what we need to do. We I really feel like we really have to focus on our strengths. Really have to focus on our strengths. You know, as men, you know, we have our strengths, and as women, we they have their strengths as well. And this strength isn't just about physical muscle, what you can endure physically. You know, I, for me personally, I feel women are, women are much stronger than men because their strength is is deeper. You know. They have a deeper kind of strength. I mean, men have testosterone. We might be physically stronger, but it's that's not the strength that's going to um, have you survive and, and survive hardship and, you know, the various things that we need to survive as human beings. And, and women have that in abundance. So women are definitely the stronger, stronger of the, the sexes in my book. Um, so, yeah, hats off to, hats off to Kamala. Um, and I look forward to seeing what she does with her new situation. So another quote that comes to mind is a quote from Les Brown. If you want to grow and develop yourself, embrace failure. If you want to become the best at at what you do, you've got to be willing to fail again and again. And then finally, one day, you'll fail your way into greatness. Les Brown. I love that quote. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thanks again for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussions.